0: On August 16th, 2015, Jerrica Laws went for a walk near her home in Park Forest, Illinois, but was never seen again. Years have passed and the question remains, where is Jerrica Laws? Let's break down the details. Secrets of the Trees presents The Mysterious Disappearance of Jerika Laws Jericha, also known as Rick Rick, is described by her family as a church-going girl who is very kind and humble with a great sense of humor. She would always inform her mother of her plans, where she was going, with whom, and when she was expected to be back. She had a smaller circle of friends, all of whom her mother knew. She also frequently volunteered in church-based activities. However, it appeared that she enjoyed volunteering in general and branched out in other areas where she could contribute. Her mother, Chantanelle, said Jerrica was an excellent student despite having what she referred to as an extreme learning disability or developmental delay. She went into great detail about Jerica's disability in a podcast that was recorded sometime in 2018. According to this interview, Shantana explicitly stated that if Jerrica is taken out of her element and taken out of her home, she wouldn't know how to get back. Jerica would jot down detailed directions and instructions of tasks provided to her. She didn't take the bus because she would get lost easily and she didn't drive. Chantinot reiterated how Jerica wrote things down over and over again, citing an example of when Jerica was going to attend church one Sunday with her friend and had written a personal reminder to be ready by a certain time in the morning and the expected time frame of the event. Due to this disability or developmental delay, repetition and note-taking was what helped Jerrica get through the day. This detail is very important to keep in mind. I also watched two videos discussing Jerrica, where Shantanel was featured, and spoke about the disappearance. Both provided different timelines as to the actions that were taken after Jerika's family realized she was missing, so I'm not entirely sure which one is more accurate. In the first video, which was uploaded in September 2017, Shantanel was featured on the channel of lifestyle YouTuber Stunner Reese. She said Jerrica went for a walk on August 17, 2015, and never returned. She was last seen in the 200 block of Lee Street in Park Forest. She does not provide exact dates, but states that it took a bit before the police actively began searching for Jerrica. In fact, she stated that she first took to Facebook to start bringing awareness about Jerrica's disappearance. Once people started sharing her posts, the media actually reached out to the police, and that kicked off the search. I'm not sure what length of time passed before the police became involved. On September 3rd, 2015, the Park Forest Police Department posted on their Facebook page, while we do not have evidence that suggests foul play and there is nothing illegal about an adult voluntarily leaving, the Park Forest Police Department takes this missing report very seriously and is concerned about Miss Law's whereabouts as the family reports that her absence and lack of contact is highly unusual and fear for her safety. Chantanelle, along with Jerrica's sisters, Shania and Serena, was also featured on Case Files Chicago one year after her appearance on Stunner channel. Detective Paul Marash, who is involved with the case, appeared on the episode as well, stating that he and a sergeant went to the law's home the day after Jerrica was reported missing. This is the timeline provided by Case Files Chicago. On Sunday, August 16th, 2015, late in the day, Jerrica and a friend headed to Chipotle. Surveillance footage put Jerrica ordering her food at 6.03 p.m. According to the detective, she and the friend headed to another friend's house afterwards, but notified them she had to be home by 7pm because she had a prior engagement. This friend's house was relatively close to Jerica's, about a block away. That evening, Jerrica sets out for her usual walk, notifying a family member she was heading out, though I'm unsure who she notified as the detective did not make this clear. That evening, Jerrica vanishes. Around midnight, Sister Shania wakes up from a nap she was taking and realizes that Jerrica isn't home. She doesn't believe this to be serious, thinking that she may have slept over someone's house. The morning of August 17th, Chantanelle readies herself for work. She realizes that there are dishes in the sink. This is important because apparently this was a task Jerrica completed daily. She realizes how out of place this is, however she heads into work. Tuesday, August 18th, 2015, Serena, Shania, and Chantanelle are all questioning Jerrica's whereabouts and they realize that no one had seen or heard from her in almost two days. At this point, Chantanelle realizes that Jerrica's purse, which she took everywhere, is still in the bedroom. Chantanelle heads to the police department. Police ask the usual questions. Is there a boyfriend? A history of domestic violence? And ask if she possibly wanted to run away or leave of her own accord. Chantanelle pleads with them that this is not the case, that Jerrica would want to come home. Police make a report of Jerrica's disappearance and add it to their database. Chantanelle heads home. That evening of August 18th, 2015, Jerrica still had not returned. Chantanelle goes back to the police department to notify them she has still not returned. The next day arrives, August 19th, 2015. Chantanelle goes back again to the police department to notify them that Jerrica still had not returned. Investigators then decide to head to the law's home to look for evidence, clues, and leads. We always hear how the first 72 hours of a case are critical, especially within the first 24 to 48. Details are fresh, and information related to investigators tends to be more accurate. Unfortunately, by the time investigators got involved in the search for Jerika, a complete two days had already passed. Detective Marash stated that when they looked over Jerrica's room, nothing stuck out. It was organized and maintained. Police secured her toothbrush, hairbrush, a book she had of scriptures she had written down, and pages of her journal. Investigators also combed through her computer, social media, which was sparse, and internet history. Like her room, nothing was out of the ordinary. The location where Jerrica enjoyed walking was a wooded area by the house, dense with vegetation. This was not mentioned in the Case Files Chicago video, but instead Stunner Reese's. Apparently, there had long been assaults of females who had been cutting through that path to go to the metro station. Chantanelle shared how she, too, had once been mugged in that area. In that same video, Chantanelle said that when Jerrica initially went missing, she went to the emergency room of a local hospital looking for a Jane Doe that was similar to Jerrica's description, but due to the lack of police involvement, the hospital could not help her. Chantanelle was able to have Jerrica listed in NamUs, the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, which is a national database for missing, unidentified, and unclaimed person cases throughout the U.S. In his video, Sonny brought up an excellent question when Chantanel mentioned that investigators had been searching the area where Jerrica's cell phone had last pinged. Did it ping before or after she went missing? Chantanel was unsure and based on the articles I've read and videos I've watched, I wasn't able to find out if this question had been answered. Ultimately, investigators, volunteers, co-workers of Chantanel, and family members canvassed the entire area and surrounding buildings, including vacant and abandoned buildings. However, there were no new leads, developments, or any signs of Jerica. There were searches done with dogs, helicopters, drones, abundant manpower. None of the searches produced anything. Chantanelle's workplace, ComEd, became really involved with the search for Jerica. The CEO reached out directly to Chantanelle to let her know that if she needed anything, she could be counted on. They placed a missing persons flyer into their customers' monthly billings, which breached about 3.8 million people. This was the first time that ComEd had ever enclosed flyers within customers' bills. In addition to flyers, magnets were made and even billboards had been erected. ComEd also put Chanson in contact with Community United Effort, also known as Q, which is an organization that helps in the search for missing persons nationwide. You really have to commend ComEd for this kind of involvement. That CEO really stepped up when she told Chantanel she could count on her. ComEd assisted greatly in Jerrica's search efforts and supported her family i'd like to discuss the podcast interview i came across which was far more detailed than the previous videos and these interviewers certainly asked the difficult questions shantana was asked to recount the details of that evening apparently jerica was seen by several neighbors walking in the direction of one of the two community stores which were quickmarts this store was one jerica frequented so she knew how to get there and come back without the need for written directions Chantanelle stated her grandmother saw Jerica leave. This is all Chantanelle knows. The interviewers asked if Chantanel found a written list of items Jericha may have wanted to purchase among her things. But Chantanelle wasn't certain that she had made a list, instead suggesting the possibilities that Detective may have taken a shopping list, if there even was one, when they secured Jerika's personal items from their home. I wasn't sure if Jerrica's friends had been questioned until I heard the podcast. She did have a small group of friends, and the detective did speak with each one of them. However, the friend that Jerrica went to Chipotle with right before she went missing stood out to Chantanelle. She said that since Jerrica was reported missing, she had only heard from him once. Jerrica and this individual had been friends since high school, and Jerrica was 24 at the time of her disappearance, so they had known each other for some time. I can understand both perspectives here, however, because I'm a neutral party. I can see why Chantonell might want to hear from him more often, especially since he was one of the last few people to have seen Jericho. I can also understand why this individual want to distance themselves from a situation such as this, but it is also because I am an outside party that I can further understand intuitive feelings and why Chantanel might see red flags from this individual without it having to be because he doesn't check in with her. This individual might not necessarily be the guilty party, but he may know more than originally revealed. I don't want these feelings to be misinterpreted as going off the deep end and pseudoscience. What I am saying, from my own personal experience, I've met individuals I did not feel comfortable around and driven through areas that did not give me a good vibe and come to find out later, situations happened that were enough to make the local news. So I'm not saying that anyone here is reading tea leaves. All I'm saying is the energy might not feel right. Take that as you will. Jericho was also friendly with strangers, but not to the point of blindly following them. She was just courteous. She also didn't have a boyfriend, nor was she interested in anyone. She was focused on her faith. And yes, we're all aware that sometimes children hide things from their parents and only share with siblings, regardless of age. Chantanelle said she spoke with the rest of her children and they too also stated that Jerrica wasn't interested in anyone, so I doubt they're withholding information about a love interest just to save face with Jerrica, especially given the circumstances. So what could have happened to Jerrica? If Jerrica had to write everything down, literally, physically, write everything down into a planner or notepad, why didn't she write down this pre-planned meeting? Jerrica went to church all the time. That was her faith, her devotion. Her thing. She still wrote down her church events, but she didn't write down this pre-planned meeting. Who said she was meeting someone at 7 p.m.? Did Jerika say that to a family member? Or did someone else outside the family say Jerika had a meeting with an unidentified individual at 7 p.m.? And this person didn't ask questions. Jerika just said, I have to be home. I'm meeting someone at 7 p.m. They didn't ask a single question. We have to normalize asking questions. I'm not saying a person has to provide a detailed itinerary on their activities. It's as simple as when my friends have plans, I inquire because I care. Oh, cool. What are you going to do? Where is that? If it's a place I've never been, I'm not gatekeeping my friendship. I'm showing you I care enough to ask about where you're going to go and what you're going to do and, and show an interest in your plans. If they don't want to tell me, I'm not going to push. However, I'd rather them tell me to mind my own business than I don't ask. Something happens, and then I wonder what could have gone differently if I had just asked what they were going to do. Why did it appear Jerika was heading to a convenience store or even going for a walk before meeting up with someone? Let's recap and throw together a quick timeline. Jerika lived in the 200 block of Lee Street in Park Forest. We know she was ordering food at Chipotle in Madison, Illinois at 6.03pm per surveillance footage. Location of this Chipotle was mentioned by Detective Mirage in the Case File Chicago video. Chipotle is exactly 8 minutes away by car from Jericho's home area. Whether Jerika and her friend ate at Chipotle or a different location is unknown. Without knowing these details we can't properly guesstimate a timeline but we're gonna attempt it anyways. I eat very very slow and my husband inhales his food so I don't exactly know how fast a person eats on average. Let's just say they took 15 minutes to pay, grab utensils, find a table, and eat. Following the strict timeline, let's say they continue to toss their garbage, head to the car, and they left about 6.18 p.m. If all lights are green, there's no traffic, no crossing pedestrians, it is literally an unproblematic ride from point A to point B. They would have been near Jericho's home sometime around 6.26 p.m. Recall that they first went to a friend's house which is about a block away from Jerrica's. However, I don't know in which direction. I'm not sure who this other friend is, how long was spent at this person's home, or if this person corroborated the detail that Jerica herself said she had to meet with someone at 7 p.m. So let's say Jerrica and her two friends hang out for a few minutes. Five minutes. Which seems so little. We're just trying to do our own mental timeline. This friend's home was a block away. So we'll say between saying goodbyes, turning a car, loading in, and heading over to Jerica's house, it took all of six minutes, and by now, it is 6.32 p.m. It's not clear what time Jerrica was dropped off. Then Jerrica decides to head out. Whether to walk, to go to the convenience store, or to meet someone, we don't know. We only know that neighbors saw her heading in the direction of the store. But even then, we don't know at what time, which store, or how far it was from her home. According to the podcast, there are two quick marts in the vicinity of Jerrica's home. Of course, this information was as of 2018. I did a Google search which showed the Golden Quick Mart at 313 Illinois Street Park Forest is permanently closed. Reviews for this location stopped about three years ago, so I'm going to assume that's about the time it closed. This location is a 10-minute walk from Jerica's home area. I'm not entirely sure where the other Quick Mart is or was, as the next one I found was about an hour and a half away. I don't think this is the one that Jerrica would have headed to if she allegedly had plans at 7 p.m. So if she was dropped off sometime around 6.32 p.m., sure. I guess she could have made it to the store and back with time to spare if she walked with no stops and knew exactly what she was getting and meet up with whomever at or near her home. Or was she walking with the intention of meeting someone at the store? Or on the way to or near the store? If she was planning on going to the store, why was her purse left behind? Was there surveillance footage from the store verifying that Jerica did or did not make it to the store? Details about Jerrica's life mostly focused on how she was an avid churchgoer and enjoyed walking daily, though it's not clear if she walked at the same time each day. If she did, and the stroll wasn't around her usual time, then maybe this wasn't pre-planned to take her during one of her routines. It could have been a random abduction. Or it could have been planned in which someone befriended Jerrica, asked her to hang out later, knew of her disability, and sent her reminders of their plans later that day. I don't know if phone records were ever pulled, and if the phone numbers were identified though as another method of communication they could have very well been speaking through a phone app making conversations much harder to trace in the podcast it was mentioned that jerica had written down contact information for possible donors for her church maybe it was someone she had met through her church that had ill intentions if she only had her phone on her person during her walk and essentially no other belongings to drop in a struggle that may explain why no traces of her showed up during the searches She could have dropped her phone, but it could have been easily picked up by an assailant. The searches done with dogs never generated any leads, so it's likely that she was placed into a car or got into a car. Cases with unresolved arguments, like Kim Morgan's, or unspoken words, much like what I'm about to share, make me feel hollow with dread. Serena had received a FaceTime call from Jerrica that weekend before she went missing, but Serena stated she had been occupied, out of town, and decided not to answer because she was going to see Jerrica that immediate Monday, August 17th. Serena ended up getting delayed and instead arrived to see the family on Tuesday. Serena wonders if she had just answered the phone and asked Jerrica not to go out that evening, but instead chat and spend time together, would Jerrica still be with them today? That is too heavy of a thought to hold for so long. As a stranger looking in, it appears that there is some underlying dissatisfaction with law enforcement. In Stunnerisa's video, we heard Chantonelle express disdain in her attempts to have Jerrica reported as missing. She couldn't receive help from the hospital until police were involved. It wasn't until pressure from the media that the police finally got involved. In Case File Chicago, the narrative is different. The detectives state the family wanted to give Jerrica a little extra time to return. And when she didn't, that's when they came in to make the police report. The detective also kept referring to Jerrica as Chantanelle's sister, not daughter. It might have just been a slip of the tongue, but did no one in that room really catch that as he said it? That was just a bit annoying to keep hearing. In the podcast, Chantanelle explained how her home area of Park Forest is immediately surrounded by several communities, all of which have their own police departments. She doesn't believe that the different departments are collaborating to find out what's going on with the missing individuals in their community now listed Jerrica and another female, Brenda Jackson, from her community in Park Forest, two individuals missing from Richton Park, which is less than 10 minutes away from Park Forest, and a male who is missing from Chicago Heights, which is also less than 10 minutes away from Park Forest. And these are just the cases that she knows about. This uh jurisdictional red tape is very problematic if there is an individual or some kind of sinister organization, uh, for lack of better terms, that is abducting people across jurisdictions to stay under the radar, especially if they know that police will not interdepartmentally collaborate. As I was closing out my research in Jerrica's case, I came across a She Rocks It article from March of this year, wherein it stated that when responding to the pressure of social media and community advocacy groups, instead of sending life-sniffing dogs, which I believe they meant to say tracking or trailing dogs, the Park Forest Police Department used cadaver dogs to search for Jerica. If this is the case and the dogs were only trained in seeking out cadavers, then that is extremely disappointing. While I am aware that some dogs are trained in more than one area, I read that cadaver dogs are often used in conjunction with search and rescue dogs since that allows humans to be found whether dead or alive. So if this is indeed the truth and only human remains dogs were used that had no training for area search or trailing, this was a huge missed opportunity. The article went on to say that Chantanelle described her treatment by law enforcement as both disrespectful and dismissive. Chantanelle, however, hasn't lost faith about finding her daughter. She shared how each year, the family used to go on a vacation together. They'd have to coordinate dates to make sure everyone was available, as it's a big family. As of the time of the podcast, they stopped going on family vacations. The kids have asked to continue their tradition, but Chantanelle can't bring herself to plan it. I'm not sure if her family has attempted to go on a vacation since then. The holidays, obviously, have never been the same. Chantana remains active in her search for Jerrica. She runs a Facebook group called Jerrica Laws is Missing. If you have Facebook, I encourage you to like the page and join in her search. Something as small as clicking share on one of Jerrica's photos may make another person realize that maybe they know where Jerrica is. Or maybe they saw something that evening. Maybe that small detail which seems inconsequential to them is enough to cause a break in the case. On August 25th, 2018, Community United Effort and Jerica's family held an event in remembrance of Jericho, which was sponsored by ComEd. I have to say, because it once more deserves recognition, it appears that ComEd, even years later, continues to be involved. So many companies spin the whole our employees, our family spiel, but then only look out for their bottom line when an employee is facing hardship. ComEd, from what I've seen, really poured in their support and leveraged their reach. I didn't find any videos of this event, mostly just photos that had been posted to Facebook. There was a victim's wall posted of at least 25 individuals, including Jerrica, who had gone missing in Park Forest and the surrounding communities. They had shirts, pens, magnets, notebooks, water bottles with Jerrica's face, and contact information for the Park Forest Police Department that were available to attend these. Though I'm not sure if these were distributed for free or if they were for purchase for fundraising efforts. Chantanelle was able to reach out to Brenda Jackson's mother, Maria Gonzalez, to participate in the event. Brenda Jackson is another missing woman in the Park Forest area. I don't presume to know what was spoken about at the event, though I'm sure it covered Jerrica, the numbers of individuals missing in their community, and efforts to keep their cases alive. There was a photo of Chantanelle holding Maria as Maria held a microphone, visibly upset. The caption read, Two mothers that share the same heartache. Our daughters are missing, Jerrica Laws and Brenda Jackson. Jericho was 24 at the time of her disappearance, is 5'2", 140 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair that she kept shoulder length. If you have any information on Jericho, please contact Q Center for Missing Persons at 910-343-1131, their 24-hour tip line at 910-232-1687, or Park Forest Police Department, Illinois, 708-748-1309. All information submitted to Q Center for Missing Persons is confidential.